Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome to another week of Sidebar Cindy. This is five months of Sidebar Cindy. Time flies. If you missed any of our previous shows, you can go to kayafm.co.za, click on FM Rewind, and go to podcasts and, and, and catch up there. Um, in tonight's show, we're looking at interstitial cystitis, also known as bladder pain syndrome. Not such a well-known condition. And that's what, is, that's what we're discussing on Sidebar Cindy. Let the good doctor give you some expert advice. Sidebar with, with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome to Sidebar with Cindy. You're listening to me, Dr. Cindy Suefan Sale. And this evening I'm wearing my doctor hat. Um, we're speaking about a condition called um, interstitial cystitis. September is the Global Interstitial Cystitis Awareness Month. And um, that's why we're discussing this topic, a very important topic, because one of the things about this condition is that it's misdiagnosed. So there are quite a lot of people who have it, but they don't know. It's a common, it's, not, it's a chronic bladder condition that typically affects women in their 30s and older. So I'm very blessed to be joined this this evening by Maureen Morabedi. She's living with interstitial cystitis and she was only diagnosed in 2014 um, having had years of misdiagnosis and we'll be discussing all of that. We'll also be taking your calls on 86 The hashtags on social media are Sidebar Cindy and Kaya FM Talk. Later on we'll be joined by um, Professor um, Shingai Mutambirwa. He's a urologist and he'll be explaining um, interstitial cystitis, um, also known as um, bladder pain syndrome to us. But before we, st- we start taking your calls, I'd like to welcome uh, Maureen Murabedi to the studio. Thank you so much, Maureen, for being here. Thank you for having me, Cindy. Okay, so I know that you're living with interstitial cystitis, and I also know that you've launched um, an NPO called um, Poyalisedi. Let's just speak a bit about your NPO before you then tell, tell us your story of, of you know, how you eventually found out what was, what was happening with your body. Okay, we, um, in 2014, well, actually in 2017, after I've left my job, mm-hmm. I sat there and was wondering, um, what is it that I can do to create awareness about this condition? Because it's pointless for me to be at home and feeling sorry for myself. And that is when I decided that uh, maybe I should have uh, a, a patient organization. Mm-hmm. I chose the name Mpoya Lisedi because uh, for me it was a gift of enlightenment after years and years and years. Of not knowing what is wrong with you. Exactly. I thought to myself, um, I know it's going to sound very funny that let me use my pain to educate others. It was such a relief when they eventually found out what was wrong with me. Mm. So with... Um, Mpoyale said we aim to create awareness about the condition mm. and we are also um, saying medical profession, um, 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 academic institutions, researchers mm. out there, there is this condition and I'm sure there's a lot of people in South Africa that are suffering from the condition but they just don't know what's wrong with them. Mm. And um, in August I went to India and I realized that for the last 17 years, they have been researching mm-hmm. this condition. I was invited by uh, GIPS, it's Global Interstitial Cystitis Bladder Syndrome Society. Yes. I was invited by them and sitting there is probably, I think there were like two or three patients out of lots and lots of specialists. I realized that we actually are not visible out there. Yeah. There are professionals inside one in one room talking about the condition, but the patients are not even there. Mm. And it was such an encouragement to me that I need to come back home actually and do something. And do something about mm. it and talk more about the condition. Well that's very special. And I think, you know, medicine has evolved, Maureen. And I always say this to people that Patients now have options. Patients have social media, they have Google, they have WebMD. Patients know a lot about their conditions because they can go to social media. Just pick up your smartphone and Google. And what you're doing is so important because Afropolitans after tonight's show are going to go onto social media, they're going to go onto Google, look up, uh, you know, this condition, share more information, get knowledge about it, and maybe then get a correct diagnosis for whatever they've been going through. So what you're doing is brave. But it's also very important. I think this is how we learn. We learn more and more um, about about our conditions. But going back to um, your symptoms and how eventually 
you you eventually um got a diagnosis, Maureen. Um, when did you start feeling feeling um you know your bladder symptoms? What what were they, and when did they start? Uh, you know, each time I try to think how far back it was, I always battle. But I think I think um they got more worse uh, when I was um doing when I was a tertiary. Because I used to suffer a lot mm. from UTIs, urinary tract infections. Mm-hmm. So I was in tissue from 1993. So yes. you can imagine how far back it was. And I used to go to different doctors. And um, the one word that I've learned back then was PID. They always said I've got pelvic inflammatory disease. And at that point, I didn't even know what it was. It was, it was just, I was just, I was just a child. And um, but the symptoms got worse and worse and worse as I grew up. Mm. And at some point, they thought that um, it is because of, of endometriosis. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is they found out that, well, the, the research suggests that endometriosis is an evil twin of IC. Because they started treating me for endometriosis. Oh, no. It even got to a point where I had to do hysterectomy in 2014. And after the hysterectomy, they picked up that I picked up that I still have pains. And again, it was during the same period when I was ovulating. Yes. So the first thing that came to Your mind. Your womb has been taken out. Here we womb. are. We're still having the pain. What's going on? Exactly. And uh, then my gynae felt that it's probably something that we Ice. are not looking at. And only then did they say, I must go see the urologist. The first urologist that I saw did not based on what I told him. And urologists, by the way, are, are people that deal with the, the urinary um, um, tract system. Yes. Yeah. The bladder, yes. the tubes that lead from the bladder to your kidneys and so on. So you went to see a urologist? Yes. Um, he actually went to see three urologists. The first one just said to me, I think you have what's called IC. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even know what IC was at the I time. I didn't know. And then he said to me, don't Google it. <laughs> he said, don't Google it. And I was like... Oh. And of course, you went home and you Googled it, right? <laughs> yes, don't Google of it. Of course. <laughs> because he, he said to me, I was going to go crazy if I Google it. Oh. And I, they prescribed um, the only approved uh, drug, which mm-hmm. is manufactured in India. Mm-hmm. They had to credit um, the site. But I reacted violently to the, to, to, the, to the pill. And he said to me, there's nothing that I can do for you. You're just going to have to... To live with with, with the the discomforts that you're living with. But what what is it that I'm living with? And I went to Google. Of course. (laughs) I went to Google. I started reading and reading and reading. And I, somebody said to me, look for support groups on Facebook. And fortunately for me, I found one that is based in the US. Yes. And I must say, they are the people who taught me about IC more than all the other doctors that I've seen. For over the years and hence i was saying when i was in india i was saying we know about the condition we know what is going on with us but you are here debating about us which and is we're a not great even thing, in the room which is a great thing but um it just shows that the lack of of of, of knowledge mm. about the condition and i think if we th- if you think that you have uti you go to the gp you don't go to the urologist mm. and i kept on changing gps 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 and they kept on giving me antibiotics even though there was no bacteria in my mm. urine so they were treating something else but and, and the danger with giving antibiotics like that is that you eventually become resistant to them so there's that as well there's that concern exactly and they th- at, 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 at some point they thought the reason i'm not getting better is because my system is now resistant mm. to the antibiotics and then in 20 yes after i've taken out my 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 uterus in 2014 about two or three months later that is when i was officially diagnosed with ic by another um urologist, urologist. And his word were his words were, um, I've got good news for you. I was like, okay, I know what's wrong with you. You do have interstitial cystitis, but I've got bad news for you. There is no cure. Stay away from alcohol. Stay stay away from spicy foods. Mm-hmm. I don't drink alcohol. I don't like spicy foods anyway. So here I was. They told me what is wrong with me, but still, because I was doing the wrong things, the pain wasn't going anywhere. Oh, because really? it is more the matter of managing the condition more than anything since yeah. there is no 
there's no cure there's so we no have to cure. manage the symptoms yes but if you don't know what is it that you need to avoid and what is it that you need to do it is very difficult you keep on doing the wrong things mm. you know you you keep on having carbonated drinks every day mm. you keep on having um, all the wrong foods mm. but like i said the the u.s group helped me quite a lot in terms of what could be the triggers? What is it that you need and to do? And what you need to do, yeah. What is it that you need to avoid doing? Well, this is why I love social media, and that's why I've embraced it so much in my work as a medical doctor. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy. With me, um, Dr. Cindy Siwefansay, we'll be speaking about interstitial cystitis, a not-so-common um, condition, bladder condition. And um, we have Maureen Murapedi in studio, who has started an NPO called Mpoila Yalisedi to educate not only the general public, but um, healthcare professionals about um, interstitial cystitis. And we're also joined online by Professor Shingai Mutambirwa. He's a urologist, and he'll be joining us to tell us a bit more about interstitial cystitis and also to take to take um, your questions. So you can call us on 86 You can SMS us on 36959. And of course, the hashtags on social media, aside about Cindy and IFM Talk. So, um, thank you so much, Prof. Mutambira, for joining us. I know you're very busy and we appreciate having you on the show. No, it's no problem, ladies. How are you this evening? Good, thank you. Hi, Prof. So, Prof, as you've heard, Umorin Morapedi, um, I mean, she she was misdiagnosed for years, all the way from university. She had all the symptoms. She had a hysterectomy in 2014 and eventually, you know, she, she you know, the, the correct diagnosis was made. Um, why is it so difficult to diagnose interstitial cystitis? Okay, I think the first point is that the interstitial cystitis is one of a, a group of conditions that are which we usually call chronic pelvic pain syndrome. Some people get it in the bladder. Some people, guys, get it can get it in the testicle. They can get it in their prostate. And the biggest issue is that it's what we call a diagnosis of exclusion, yes. which means that we have to exclude everything: infections, endometriosis, uh, um, uh, cancers. And only once you've excluded all of those things that you can make that diagnosis. And usually uh, for the majority of, 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 of uh, patients with interstitial cystitis, you need to have what's called a cystoscopy to look into the bladder with a camera, make sure there's no lumps and bumps, what we call hundreds of ulcers and stuff inside there. And once we've made that diagnosis, then the biggest issue for most doctors is that we actually have no idea what the cause of all of these conditions are. We do know that there's, it's not life-threatening, but yes. the pain can be very severe. And I think Maureen was saying, why her urologist was saying, don't Google it, is because <laughs> if you look at most of the data, there's even there's, it, you're, you're at higher risk for taking narcotics like uh, heroin and things like that. And about five patients every year commit suicide because of the, the amount of pain they're having from this bladder or the other organs that are there. It's not that common to get to that point, but the point is it's a very important diagnosis but it's also difficult for us to treat because we don't know what the cause is mm. physiologically. And also, it takes a lot of time because uh, Maureen will, will probably bring it up. But dealing with, the, with, with your doctor about this can be very time-consuming and difficult for the patient as well as for the doctor. So that's usually why it takes a little bit of time for, for us to make a diagnosis like this. Okay. And the symptoms, I mean, so, so Maureen describes, you know, being treated for, for UTIs over and over again. What are the symptoms of interstitial cystitis, Prof. Mutambiro? Okay. I think the whole point, I think the interstitial cystitis, I said, is one of the, of, of a field of, of conditions which are chronic pelvic pain syndrome, which basically means that you're having pain relatively frequently, daily, three times a day, four times a day. It's in the pelvic area, which is around the, 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 the area of the groin and that sort of area. And you, you, the, this pain has been going on for at least three months. And then we make the diagnosis if we have excluded all the other bits and pieces. But the thing is that interstitial cystitis, the symptoms can vary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maureen's has got often it'll be going to the toilet frequently, a bit of burning of the urine. Mm. The pain is the main 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 problem, though, for the majority of patients. And as I said, because it's a, a, a group of different conditions that can be causing this, it could be some guys get it in the testicle, some women get it in the vagina, some people get it in the womb. It's it's just difficult. And the point is the symptoms are usually not very specific. And uh, that's why we have to do the investigations to make the decision on whether the patient has uh, interstitial cystitis or one of the other chronic pelvic pain syndromes. Okay. And does it affect women more than it affects men? 
Uh, yeah, apparently it does. It's not. It's still very relatively common. I mean, if you look at some of the data, they're saying about 16% of all women have something similar to this. And as I said, we can we can present, especially in the interstitial situation, with rushing to the bathroom, waking up too much at night, pass urine, and stuff like that. But the thing is that they say that most of the data says it's about 10 to 11 percent of men who also have the condition as well. And yeah. it's just different symptoms that are happening there. And that's and uh, it can be very frustrating because the point is that often you don't know what the situation, why you're having this problem. You're mm-hmm. getting told that there's infections and this, that, and the other. And by the way, this use of antibiotics for interstitial is not always the best option as well. In fact, we know that a lot of the, we're overusing antibiotics and we've got problems with that as well. But the point is it does need included as one of the conditions that, that could be causing this pain. Okay. And, and how would men present if, you know, with, with um, what symptoms would they, would they have if they had interstitial cystitis? Okay. They, it's pretty much the same as Maureen's. They also okay. get rushing to the toilet, pain, but often, because the, we've got what's called a prostate, which is a little gland which is just below the bladder, and it's attached to the testicles that produces a lot of what a guy ejaculates, the, it's often said to be causing the prostate usually is also involved with a lot of these interstitial cystitis, uh, chronic pelvic pain syndromes. Because the thing is, what we think, some of the more um, robust theories is that there's things in our urine and in the area of the of the pelvis, where which can cause uh, increase in something called potassium, which is then going to cause uh, the bladder to be irritated, the vagina to be irritated, the mm. testicles to be irritated, and so we think that might be one of the causes. But the thing is that for guys or women, it's it's as I said, it's relatively it can be relatively non-specific. But what is common to everybody is that some pain in some area in the pelvic area. Okay, and stats in South Africa. Um, do we have any stats? Do we have any data, f- you know, from yeah. here? We do have some data. It's not it's not as robust as the, the in, in the West or anything, but we're probably looking at either at least the same uh, rate, but possibly more in our in in the, in the female population than even in America. Some of the data that came that came out of, of of our unit and some other units in Pretoria is that we're probably looking somewhere in the region of up to twenty percent of women at some stage having a problem. You must remember also that one of the issues is that there a lot of the, these conditions these conditions we we sort of like to separate it into um, hunters the the ones where there are ulcers inside the bladder and the one that's just a syndrome which can be included vaginal pain and stuff but the thing is that it's related also to a menopause and to uh, ovulation and various other issues like that as well so not issues uh, but, yeah, but the, the, the but menopause is one of the things that can cause a problem as well and it can actually precipitate it because we now recognize that uh, menopause is not just about loss, loss of hormones mm. it's actually what we call the genital urinary symptoms of menopause which means that you get overactive bladder rushing to the toilet you get pain you get uh, dry vagina all of these things need to be addressed in totality and the, and the interstitial perspective can be a, a part of that deal as well. Sure, this is a lot to know. And I mean, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I must say, I mean, I've been a medical doctor since 2005, Prof. Mutambidwa, and yeah. I haven't heard much about interstitial cystitis. So I'm learning. As, you, as you're speaking, I'm also thinking to myself, how many patients, you know, could I have missed um, who may, who may have same. interstitial cystitis? That's true. It happens to all of us, and that's the point. Because we, as we often were looking for the most more in in in, in, in inverted commas um, normal problem, pathology and problems. But the reality is that we need to be a little bit more vigilant about recognizing that there is an issue with a lot of patients. As I said, up to twenty percent of our patients, one mm. in five, could be having this problem. Okay. Well, we'll still keep you on the line because when I come back, I'd like to find out, um, you know, from you. How what you know as a medical doctor? What what else can I do to make sure that I make the correct diagnosis? But just coming back to to Maureen, I mean, Maureen, you must have spent a lot of money going from doctor to doctor, um, you know, try, looking for a diagnosis. Um, yeah, that's that's true. And you get to a point where your medical aid gets exhausted by mm. March because, um, firstly, they try to manage the symptoms. And with the medication that they're giving you to manage the symptoms, like it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. So I have to buy, I have to spend about plus minus thousand rand extra from my salary every month to be able to get medication from my pocket to be able to get my medication. And because there is no cure, but stuff that will 
minimize the symptoms. Unfortunately, they are not available in South Africa. So you have to get them from overseas. Yes. And then rent dollar exchange is not always... Well, that's something we can ask the prof when we come back from the break. Like, I mean, you know, if, if I mean, such a rare condition, wouldn't they be able to, wouldn't you be able to get your medication through an academic institution, for example? But we'll, we'll, we'll ask the prof that when we come back from this break. Yeah. Call us now. 86 you're listening to Kai FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. This evening, we're learning a lot. I think, you know, one of, one of the... One of the reasons why I love Sidebar Cindy so much is that not only do I, you know, get guests on the show that, that help the Afropolitans and teach them, I also learn. And this evening is one of those. You know, we have Professor Shingai Mutamiro on the line with us. He's a urologist and we're speaking about interstitial cystitis, also known as bladder pain syndrome. I also have Maureen Murabedi in studio. She um, started an, NGO, an NPO called Mpoya Lisedi because she's living with interstitial cystitis and she's just been explaining to us her journey towards, um, you know, a diagnosis. So she was seen for many years. I mean, you know, she was misdiagnosed with having endometriosis. She had a hysterectomy done. And finally, the diagnosis was made of interstitial cystitis. And Umarin has just been explaining to us that the medication that she's taking is quite expensive. It's not available in South Africa. And she spent over a thousand rand a month on it. Maureen? Yes, that's true. Um, so you have the supplements that can help in, in minimizing the pain. But again, they're also not available in South Africa. So I'm relying on friends that go overseas to ship them this site for me. Mm. And there's also the drug that I was referring to. It is manufactured in India. And um, according to my understanding, it's not yet available in South Africa. But I've spoken to uh, one of the professors at uh, Vets University, Professor Andreas Christostomo, and he said he is willing to have um, discussions with the company that is manufacturing that so that they can see how they can get the medication this side. Because um, when he was uh, doing the presentation at the launch of my NPO, I was actually amazed that he put that as one of the pills that can be used for the sufferers. Mm. But uh, again, the sufferers don't know about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Professor Shingamu Tambira, I mean, Umarin has explained um, how she gets her medication. You know, would it be possible for her to get it through an academic institution, for example? Well, again, it is possible, but the first point is that most of these bladder pain syndromes, the chronic pelvic pain that we have, we, as, because we don't know what the cause is, we are really shooting the blind in the dark a lot of the time. I understand. And what we need yeah. to do is we usually use something called a U-point system, which basically we try to target which organ is causing the problem. So, for example, if, if Maureen, if she's rushing to the toilet, we'll give her something like an anticholinergic, which, you know, we use for overactive bladder and rushing to the toilet, or beta-3 agonist and that sort of thing, which can help. But the point is that I, I think the most important part of this is that we, a lot of the medications, we're not sure if they're working. There's not good mm. evidence that they're actually helping. A lot of the stuff that Maureen's talking about is our newer stuff, which is coming out, but it's not for everybody as well, because some of them, we still don't know what the cause is. So I think the more important thing is for you to target, she was talking about food, diet, yeah. and that sort of thing. That can be important. But each person can actually pick up their own, uh, it, usually can identify when they've got a problem. Then we try to target with pharmacology, which is the medications and things like that. Sometimes we have to do something called a hydrodistension, where we stretch the bladder. It seems to cause uh, a downregulation of the pain symptoms, but it doesn't last for too long. There are things we can put inside the bladder, which can actually recoat the inside coating, because we suspect that the major issue is that the inside coating of the of the bladder, which is it's like a skin layer, it also has something called a gag layer, which is a gamma amino glycan, which is like a mucus layer, which might be breaking down, and we think it might possibly be because of uh, of, of your body attacking itself and this we, if we put things like hyaluronic acid or heparin into the bladder mm. it does seem to help in some patients we sometimes give local anesthetics to the area as well and in, at the end of the day sometimes we even have to do things like removing the bladder if, mm. if, if, if the pain is so severe but the point is that there are lots of treatments. We've been using things like Botox, which you know, used for, for facelifts and stuff. Yeah. But we can also inject that into the bladder to paralyze the nerves so that the pain isn't so bad. But all of these things have got very poor data. They're not mm. specific for anybody in general. 
we try a lot of different options here and there. But the main thing is, I think, for, is that we need to manage the expectations of the patients. Like Maureen, for example, is still is sitting there with you and she's looking fine. And but she's having a bit of pain, I'm sure. But the point <laughs> is it's better than it was before. And I think that's what we need to focus more about making sure because we do know that there's also psychological aspects to it. The more stressed you are, the more happy if you had depression, yeah. you're likely to get interstitial dysbiosis as well. So I think we need to just make sure that the doctors are educated. I think that's the most important thing. And for patients, to make, for, for the general public to know that if there is a chronic pain there, please go get it checked out. And if you don't get joy from the first uh, doctor like Maureen didn't find initially, you just move on and just get a second opinion. Ask them to send you for a second opinion. Okay, so we're taking calls on 86 We're talking about interstitial cystitis. I'm chatting to Maureen Morapedi, who's living with um, IC, and also to Professor Shingai Mutambirwa, a urologist who's answering all our questions around this condition. We have Rose calling us from Joburg. Hi, Rose, and welcome to Saipod, Cindy. Good evening to everybody. Good morning. Good evening. Hi. Hi, Hi Rose. Um, um, calling to ask a few questions. I wanted to know the, the condition, I can't pronounce it, I've been tra- tra- no, we, Are we all struggling? <laughs> Interstitial <laughs> cystitis. <laughs> so just say, say I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay, um, I wanted to find out, is it a bacterial or viral infection and how long is Maureen going to get treatment? Will it eventually go away or is it something that she's going to have to get treatment for forever? And I also wanted to ask, um, is it something that can be picked up during a bapsmia test? And um, I wanted to know when it. I wanted to ask Maureen that when it began, has she always had that the, the pain that came with the UTI symptoms, or was it just the UTI symptoms, or did it begin with the pain? Okay, thanks, Rosa. So I'll ask Maureen to um, respond to, to I think two of those are yours, and I'll, then I'll ask Professor Shingai Mutambira to respond to your other two um, to other two points. Okay, Maureen. Um, with regard to symptoms, um, uh, how can I explain it? At first, I thought I would, uh, because most of the time it would be during the ovulation period, and I would think that maybe it's because I'm going to have my periods, and uh, I would have these terrible um, period pains. But then I realized that after some time, the period pains doesn't go away. The period pains don't go away. And it had to, I had to go to different doctors to check the, 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 the how can I put it? To check the, the trend, yeah, mm. the trend in terms of when do you get these pains? When are they so, when are they worse? When are they better? And what triggers that? And they eventually said it is because of the hormones. So at first they thought it was a hormone related thing that would go away as soon as the period, the, 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 the monthly period goes away, which sometimes it would. I think that's why most people were getting confused, why most doctors were getting confused because the, the pains would go away after my periods. And, um, you also asked about the bacterial or viral infection. It's not an infection. It is the chronic inflammation of the bladder. And even if you do the urine dipstick, they will not pick it up. Prof indicated that you have to do cystoscopy. The only way to find out if you really have um, 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 interstitial cystitis is when they have to take you into theater and put a, a scope, um, a camera inside your bladder to check exactly what the issue is. But you cannot pick it up uh, when you do pap smear. You cannot pick it up mm. with the urine dipstick. And um, the symptoms are more or less the same as the period pains, but at the same time, they are more or less the same as the UTI symptoms. You always have this pelvic pressure, but what is, imp- what, what is even worse is the need to go to the bathroom every five to ten mm. minutes. And that disrupts your, 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 your work life. I mean, you, you actually stopped working because yes. you couldn't cope. Yes, I did. I, you know, when you're um, um, faced with uh, being off sick quite a lot, than being at work and your competency being questioned as well. And I'm an HR by profession, so you can imagine that I'm an HR person who's never mm. at work. And uh, at some point I ended up having to face reality and have an honest conversation with my boss. And yeah, I then had to leave. It was such a difficult decision. 
for me because I was asking myself, I'm going to leave, then what? And you have this fear that will I be able to go get another job if I'm sick? But I think with yours uh, and with more education, you end up understanding what is it that you're dealing with. So it's more about managing the symptoms symptoms. and making sure that you avoid the things that are going to make you sick. Mm. So even if I manage the symptoms, I still get what is called a, a bladder flare. Mm-hmm. The last one that I had um, landed, in, landed me in hospital for six days. And in those six days, they were just managing pain. Somebody was asking me, how does that feel? And I always say, think of the worst UTI that you've ever had and multiply that by a thousand. Oh, no. Or think of an open and wound UTIs are where so you have painful. to put a salt or acid all the time. It's an unexplained thing. And people don't believe you. I am always laughing. I've, I've got this bubbly personality. But over the years, I, I, I had to smile through the pain. Exactly. So when I'm saying to people, I'm not feeling well, they're thinking, you're joking, right? You just want to go home or you just want to stay in bed. You know, so it, it is that thing. You just have to find a way to live with it. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, there is, it, it, it's not going to go away and, mm-hmm. until such time they find a cure. And Prof, I mean, coming back to one of, two of the questions that Rose asked, um, you know, she asked Hi, a, hi Prof. So Rose asked yeah, yeah, yeah. Rose asked a few questions and I think two of those um were 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 you know directed to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the the, the, the first thing uh, like Maureen is saying, we don't know what the cause is and although we I I I've already just said about antibiotics, we should really not be using them as first line for most of the patients with interstitial cystitis. The fact of the matter is we don't really know what the original cause is. It could be viral, it could be bacterial there's relationships with lots of stuff. So you do need to get those things excluded. Now, how long are you going to be on treatment? It depends. And the thing is that uh, this is a spectrum of different conditions and and pain and different types of pain and quality of life issues as well. So some people just have a little bit of mild pain. Some people get such severe pain, like I said, that they they even go for illicit drugs and things like that to help it. And it's this whole spectrum is the issue as well. So some people do get flares, like Maureen is talking about these uh, these upregulations of pain. Some people don't. Some people respond to the medications and they never have another issue in the future. But the majority usually need to be on treatment, probably lifelong. And the thing is that even the treatments, as I said, because we don't know what the cause is, we're sort of shooting in the dark a bit. But provided we get an improvement, then that's uh, an important point. But the thing is, just about the pap smear, remember pap smears are mainly for picking up if there's cancer in mm. the bottom part of the womb. And that is not, a, it's one of the things you must use to exclude in women, but the point is that the majority of patients should be getting pap smears done anyways. And uh, just to punch on my one of my, my pet projects, um, please, mothers and fathers out there, uh, do immunize your children for HPV, the human papilloma virus, which is the mm. main cause of cervical cancer. And if we do that, then we're probably going to get rid of one of the major cancers in Africa. Okay. Well, we have another caller. We have Mpo calling us from Bramfisherville. Um, hi, Mpo. Welcome to Cypod, Cindy. Hi, Dr. Cindy. You know, oh, thank you very much for tackling uh, this issue because I've been battling with this and I still don't know how to explain it. With me, it's, uh, it was recurring UTIs. Mm. Every time I go to the doctor, UTI, UTI, and then eventually they, the doctor wanted to take out, oh, I did the pap smear. They said they found some cells and they burned them. Luckily, they didn't take out my, my Your womb. And mm. then the womb, yeah. And then they, now, even, now they said my kidney, it's swallowed. I'm walking around with a JJ stent now, but that helps me with the pain because I'm no longer feeling that pain that I couldn't even go to work because of the pain. But now after putting the JJ stand that in, I, it became better, the pain and everything, but the frequent going to the loo, like I'll wake up like eight times. I even have a, a diary where I wrote, I write, what time did I go to pass urine? It's every hour, sometimes it's every 30 minutes, it depends on the days. And then when you go to the GP, they say, drink a lot of water because of this UTI. They give you uh, this uh, antibiotics, drink lots of water. You go to the urologist, they say, don't drink a lot of water, limit to two, to two liters a day. But I, I don't know, I think the same thing that you're talking about, it's what I have now. But okay. now, before I went to my period, now, I was in so much pain, my vagina was itching. I went back to the GP. They gave me the uh, 
antibiotics again are much better after the periods i'm feeling better but now i think i'm gonna need this podcast and take it to my because i'm going to take out the jj stand on the 12th of november i'm gonna take this with because this is not it's it, it, you you can't even sit in a meeting if you are sitting in a meeting you have to excuse yourself to rush to the loo. And it really disrupts your life. And I think this is why it's so important for us as medical doctors to make a, a, the correct diagnosis and, and get yes. your help. I'll ask Professor Shingai Mutambira to respond um, or just to comment on what you've just shared. And thank you so much for sharing that with us, Paul. Thank you so much, Dr. Okay, so Prof, um, I mean, Paul has, you know, has shared something like, you know, she wakes up eight times in the evening. She sits in meetings and she's in and out of the bathroom. She's a JJ stint. And, you know, what's happening with her? Okay. I, I think there are a couple of different issues that are going on here. First of all, urine tract infections are, can, are not symptoms. They're only when you send a urine away to the laboratory and they grow a bacteria. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, our, of, of, of for my colleagues and the other doctors out there, please, if you are going to make a diagnosis of urine tract infection, you must end up a culture. And if you don't, make sure that they check it out in the lab because we put people on antibiotics without actually having any real evidence that it might be there. And that's how one of the reasons why we miss a lot of the conditions. The second thing, she was talking about a, a JJ stent. Now, what, what that is, is, it's a tube which we put into the kidney uh, to bypass usually some swelling that's going on there. So if she's got a JJ stent in there, it's prob- more, it, it, although it could have been caused by the, the, the possible interstitial cystitis, the, more, the usual reason why we put the JJ stents is usually because of kidney stones, and that mm-hmm. is one of the diagnoses of exclusion. So I think she must have just a, a, a discussion with the urologist about uh, the, the, the JJ stent and what the cause. Now, the third thing, the rushing to the toilet, without if it's not without with, if it's without pain, yes. that is a slightly separate condition which we call overactive bladder or urgency and frequency, and that's even more common than interstitial cystitis, although it's one of the symptoms of interstitial cystitis. And those ones, they, you, we have some very good treatments for that. That's not a biggest issue. But I think also for my colleagues out there that the waking up at night, which we call nocturia, yes. is actually not the majority of patients, it's not related to the overactive bladder during the day. We know that now that the majority, 70-80% of patients who wake up a lot at night, and this can happen both to men and to women, uh, usually as we get older as well, is related more to uh, what we call uh, what used to be vasopressin, which is a, com- a chemical ad- ADH, which is a chemical which is produced in the brain, usually at night to stop you from sweating and stop your kidneys from producing too much urine. Mm. And there can be a problem where that stops being produced, and that's extremely common. It's probably around 60, 70% of patients over the age of, people over the age of 60, over 40, who have this condition. And we usually treat it as infections, and we say, no, cut back on water and stuff. But the reality is that the majority of those patients need to be put on something which is similar to, to the medications we use for bedwetting in children as well. Okay. So, so for poor she'll have to go back to her urologist and then you know she's listened to, she's listened to the show she's taken t- notes i'm sure and discuss what she's heard with her u- urologist oh yeah yeah no i think it's the jj stent is the sort of like the, the 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 part which is a little bit unusual for her condition per se so i would say that she should just maybe just reassess it and see what's going on it might it probably it, if she's got a jj stent in it's un, it's less likely that it's just pure interstitial cystitis but it can be related to each other yeah Okay, so we'll be chatting more about interstitial cystitis after this break on Cyber Cindy. Medical issues, sex and family, finance, parenting and emotional development. Cyber with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back to Sidebar Cindy on KFM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. We have about 18 more minutes of the show left. And coming up at 8 is Musibudi um, Whitehead with the Home Straight. So what are we discussing tonight? Well, Dr. Cindy, on the Home Straight, we usually discuss the central question is how sport changed my life. And that's a question which looks back at the past with people who come and share their stories. And today we ask from those who've been there and done that, Clive Barker talking football development, Jacques Foll talking um, uh, an administrator, a very successful administrator of the Titans uh, cricket franchise, and Maria Ledwaba talking about her life as a football administrator and how those experiences can help shape what is to come in the next decade or so of South African sport. And we'll be joined by Maria Ledwaba in studio as well as Jacques Fall.
Great stuff. And how was Japan? Welcome back. It was amazing. It really was amazing. Uh, an eye-opening journey, and I hope it won't be my last visit. That's awesome. So Musibudi Whitehead coming up with the home straight at 8 p.m. Sidebar with Cindy, Cindy. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, the home of the Afropolitan, side by Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Sefansel. And this evening, we've, we, you know, we're discussing a very interesting um, medical condition that I didn't know much about until, until this evening. And obviously, after this, I'm going to Google and read up as much as I can because it's difficult to diagnose. Um, it's also known as um, bladder pain syndrome. Um, it's interstitial cystitis. And um, we've had, um, we have Professor Shingai Mutambirwa, a urologist, and he's been sharing information about it. But we also have Maureen Murapedi. Um, she is living with interstitial cystitis, and she's decided to take it upon herself to educate, um, you know, medic- medical um, people in the medical field and the general public about IC. And she started an MPO called Mpoyali Sedi, and she'll be telling us um, a bit more about that, um, you know, before before the show ends. But just before we let um, Professor Mutambirwa go, I'd like him to just wrap up and just tell us you know you know what the symptoms are of interstitial cystitis and um and how we can help our, our healthcare pr- practitioners make the correct diagnosis prof i know that you have to go but yeah. yeah you know symptoms and and you know how soon should we seek help to ensure that we get the right diagnosis made okay i think the first thing is that uh, one of the biggest issues for a lot of our of, of people in the country and worldwide is that we don't Take our bodies seriously. If you have got a pain, if you've got some issue, make sure you get it checked out. Mm-hmm. Guys are worse, far worse than women in general. But the point is even women can procrastinate a bit. Mm-hmm. So if you're having some chronic pain, if the pain keeps going on, I mean, not like if it just happens once in a while or something, but generally just get yourself checked out. See your doctor, make sure that they, or your health practitioner, be it nurses or whatever, they've all and you can do it at government. You don't have to go to private. It's all we, we do a lot of good stuff at government as well. Then, if you've got these pains, particularly if you've been having some uh, so-called recurrent urinary tract infections, especially in a female, I think you need to check it because mm. generally every woman will get a bladder infection at some stage in her life. But if it keeps coming back and it's related to a lot of pain, because often the the pain from a urinary tract infection is bad, but it's not the worst ever but the point is Maureen was saying but the thing is that if you keep getting these infections so-called infections you haven't had a culture just get ask for a second opinion I, I've sent lots of my patients to other doctors for second opinions mm. well. nothing to be because we can't know everything I think it's, uh, that's, everything. That's, that's the other thing as well yeah and then once that's happened then I think if you have any symptoms in the area particularly in the pelvic area and it keeps going on and you keep getting treatment you keep getting and your things aren't changing then I think it needs to be addressed because it is one of the more common, it's extremely common, one in four, one in five people has got this, this condition. And uh, then once you've got it, you've got it, you, it often can be treated. And the longer it takes for you to get the appropriate treatment, the more likely it's going to continue for a long period of time. So mm. I think all of us just need to just make sure that we just take care of our health more than anything else. Well, thank you so much, Professor Shingamu Tambiro, for sharing your knowledge with us. It's always a pleasure to hear to hear you speak. But um, yeah, I've, I appreciate it. I've learned a lot, and I think Maureen has also learned a lot from you. Well, Maureen, we were discussing this just a couple of weeks ago, so we were, we were all we were in conversation already. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Prof. Thank you, Prof. So, Maureen, um, so you're now managing your symptoms well. So I think just talk us through what you do on a daily basis to manage your interstitial cystitis. Okay. Um, with regard to my diet, I make sure that anything that I have, everything that I have does not have any preservatives. So um, I, can't, I can't have spices. So we had to change the whole diet at home. Mm. We can only cook with um, herbs. And um, it's amazing so, that so many things that we have in our cupboards and in, the, in our fridge, in our fridges at home, they also make the symptoms worse. So I, for an example, in my case, I can only have a pear and a blueberry and different kinds of melons. So when people are offering me fruit salad, I look at them like, uh-uh, I can't have that. I can only have that, 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 and we're done. Yes. And some people would say, you can have pineapple or lemon because when it gets to the system, it changes. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that with me. Mm. And another thing that I also would like to um, make listeners aware of at home is 
at some point I was taking cranberry juice and pills every day and it is, it is the most acidic um, thing ever. So and that's what is recommended uh, for, for urinary tract infections. Drink lots of cranberry juice. Only to find that it was making me worse. I was having green tea every morning. It was making me worse. So we just don't realize the stuff that we take that ordinary people can have and not feel any pain. They are the opposite when it comes to IC people. And um, I can't have um, soft drinks. If I feel like juice, they laugh at home. Uh, I end up having to drink purity pressed pear juice mm. if I feel like having juice. Otherwise, I avoid it at all, at all costs. And you just drink water most I, of I the time. I just drink water. And again, you avoid drinking a lot of water because you don't want to have unnecessary trips to the bathroom, mm. even though you cannot prevent them. And, um, and what about alcohol? I can't have alcohol. <laughs> I can't. Anything with alcohol, I cannot mm. have. Sometimes people would say, think of alternative medicine, think homeopathy. Homeopathy is preserved by it's preserved with alcohol. I can't even have that, you know. So it's it, it, it's very difficult for me. And no sparkling water. I can't, because it has acid. Mm. So I can only have freshly squeezed juice, pear or watermelon. And watermelon can be yucky sometimes. Yeah, when very <laughs> And have water and herbal tea. So I can't have coffee. I can't have chocolate. And this is and, and and you know when I was reading up about interstitial cystitis before the show, you know chocolate and and and, and coffee are listed as some of the foods that can trigger. Yes, I can't have that. That can trigger IC. I can't have that. So you end up having rabies or different kinds of mm. herbal teas. So you avoid and you get used to it. By the way, even at home they are now used to the type of food that I eat. And I'm very blessed to have friends and and and, and relatives and families. My family that. Um, so supportive that each time I visit anyone, I always have something ready that that they can accommodate. Exactly, yeah, but it's difficult. Special. So you end up avoiding attending functions where you are not known because you ask yourself: firstly, am I going to get a bathroom? Secondly, am I going to be catered for? And because I can't stand for a very long time or sit for a very long time, I, the first thing that I check is how comfortable am I oh, going to be. And so at the same time, you end up being a bit It really impacts your life, right? Yes, people don't realize that. I used to travel quite a lot when I used to work full time. And, and you were in HR? Yes, yes. And I used to, uh, my last employer, I was, I was working for, I was in the mining industry. So I used to go to different mines. And it would always be a challenge because... When I come back, I would always be sick, you know. So you avoid trips. Sometimes if you know that you cannot avoid the trip, there has to be a proper planning that goes into mm. that trip. And we take, these are things that we take for granted, uh, yep. you know. Yes. I can't go to gym. <laughs> I can walk now and then. Yeah. But you avoid doing anything that is going to cause you a flare. And how has it affected your sex life? Um, I'm very fortunate that it hasn't affected it in okay. a bad way, but there are people in the group that I know that they are suffering. They don't have any sex. Mm -hmm. And some are saying they haven't had it in like two or three years because they are always anxious of what's going to happen if it happens, if, if they do have sex. And um, I don't know, you can tell more about what's called vestibulitis mm -hmm. and vaginitis. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaginitis, vaginismus. Yes, yes. So a lot of IC patients also suffer from that. And I always say to, to people that I am very fortunate that by the time I found out what was wrong with me, it was, it was not that far advanced because now I can manage the symptoms. So there are other people that are really, really affected by the whole thing. Others in, in the US, by the way, IC is treated as a, as a chronic condition. They get disability as well okay. in South Africa because it is not a chronic condition. The medical aid is not going to pay for that. And it's also not recognized uh, as a disability because what is IC after all? Nobody knows about IC. <laughs> so it is something that really changes your life in so many ways, but people don't realize that. And I've picked up that a lot of people are suffering in silence because they don't know what's wrong with them. They are being accused of 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 being lie of lying, of being lazy, hypochondriac. I mean, when we were speaking off here, you were even telling me that you had doctors saying to you, "It's all in your mind." I can't imagine how it feels to hear that when you know exactly what you're going through. Because you keep on saying that I've got these pains, and they're like I've done everything. I did MRI scan. There is nothing wrong with you. 
you know. Oh, Maureen, you know, do you know how stressed I am? I'm sitting here looking at you and thinking, oh my gosh, how many patients did I treat as a UTI? And do they have IC? So, you know, after this, I'm never going to be the same again. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the Afropolitans that are listening will also, you know, take note of, of, of these symptoms, write them down, and, and just make sure you keep nagging your doctors, get second opinions, Google, do whatever you have to do to help us make the right diagnosis. That's, that's true because. Without us, you would not be able to know what is wrong mm. because you, you, and I think one thing that we do wrong as patients is changing doctors all the time. So you end up not having a history of my medical record. You don't know what is wrong with me. I come here, I'm like, I've got this, you check, okay, give me this. And I go to another doctor after three months if I'm fine. So you end up being, um, just taking pills to manage the pain. And then when it gets worse, you go to another doctor because you don't want to go to the other doctor who's, because they're going to refuse to treat you. They're going to say there's nothing wrong with you. So I think maybe listeners at home must be very aware of that. They need to make sure that they, they stick to one, to one doctor, especially if you've been battling with these pelvic pains and pressure and frequency and, 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 and urgency. If you've been battling with that for so many years You need to months, go and have it checked out. Rather go to a urologist. Yo, Maureen, I mean, I really admire you for, for, for what you're doing and, and, and it's important for you to speak out. So Mpoya Lisedi um, is, is, you know, what, what are you going to do with that platform? I mean, apart from sharing on different radio stations, hopefully you'll have more radio stations that you're going to speak about this. What else are you going to do? Okay, um, currently I am in discussions with Fritz University. They have... Um, Actually, they are very supportive of the initiative. They're very interested in helping Mpoyali Sedi to, to be able to achieve what it wants to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I always say it is about the patients and um, we need to start having those conversations where we're going to talk about research, clinical trials, and um, we also need to be part of that. You know, if you think of treatment action campaign, it was patients that drove it and made a huge exactly. difference in people's lives. But unfortunately, just as much as cancer or HIV, mm. but unfortunately with conditions like IC that are not well known and only few people know what is wrong we with can't them. Even, I can't even pronounce it properly. Interstitial cystitis. Yeah. I just keep on saying it's interstitial cystitis. Interstitial <laughs> cystitis. So it's very difficult to get people on board. But I'm very happy that with Vets University and the likes of Professor Mutambira, who was also one of the key speakers at the launch, and the likes of him on my side, it's going to be very, diff- it's going to be very easy for me to, to advance the course. And um, in August, I was invited in India to be one of the speakers, but I was talking as a patient. Mm. And... You know, things like that encourages you. There's another conference coming up in Amsterdam. I saw the email to them like, yay. But this one is also, uh, they, they, are, they are targeting the, the patient organizations Great. as well, which is very something that I'm excited well, that's awesome stuff. So where can we find you? Um, on social media, on Facebook, I want to know where we can find you everywhere. <laughs> okay, on Twitter, it is um, at MyLisedi. The website is mylisedi.com and the Facebook page is mpoyalisedi. Well, thank you so much, Maureen Morapide. Um, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, I'm, I'm very vocal on social media about health issues and I, I, I always love it when someone does the same thing because, you know, we all have, well, not all, but most of us have access to social media and it's changed our lives. When I look at how far, um, you know, I've come with educating people about HIV, um, you know, it starts off small, like, mm-hmm. like you starting, but trust me, in about two years' time, it's going to be a big, a big platform. So thank you so much for sharing your story. And um, all the best with everything that you're going to be doing around interstitial cystitis. Thank you very much. So I'll be back tomorrow evening on KFM 95.9 on Sidebar Cindy. Thank you so much for listening. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.